1: Chicago-area libraries are fighting a growing push to ban books. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For decades, libraries have found themselves on the front lines of the First Amendment. And they're back at it again, as children's books introducing topics like body positivity and LGBT acceptance become increasingly politicized. WBEZ reporter Adora Namigade has been reporting on what's going on with local public libraries. And Lindsay Dorfman runs one of those libraries. She is the executive director of the Glenview Public Library in the northern suburbs. Adora, let's start with you. You know, we have discussed the book ban issue here on Reset a, a few times in the past, but these days, to me, it seems much more intense. So just bring us up to speed and tell us what is different now.
2: It's absolutely more intense. Like you said, it's been a problem for a while, but the stakes are rising. Um, we saw the most attempts in the past 20 years in this country, to ban books. So there were 681 attempts to ban books across the country. That stat is according to the American Library Association that tracks these numbers. And as more people want to ban books, there's more vitriol around banning the books. People are coming to library board meetings. They're coming into school library board meetings, and they are making their voices heard. They want these books removed from the shelves. They Mm -hmm. want the books maybe hidden out of public view. And sometimes there's even threats against the libraries about wanting to defund the place. There was a place, um, a library called Patmos Library in Western Michigan that was actually completely defunded over this. So the stakes are just growing and growing. More
1: people are trying to ban books. And how are their complaints being handled now? Is is it different than how it was handled in the past?
2: So right now, um, people tend to go to the board meetings to express that they want a book moved or they want the book removed and some t- libraries have a formal process for requesting the books to be moved from the shelves. Um, both libraries that I interviewed for this story, I focused on two suburban libraries, one in Glenview, one in Lincolnwood. Um, they don't support banning books or really removing them. Lincolnwood has had more problems with people wanting them moved, but they said that they haven't moved books, and they don't intend to.
1: Good time to bring you in yeah. here, Lindsay. What can you add to that?
3: Yeah, well, you know, we have, we have policies in place, um, and so if a patron – wants to ban a book, or if they ask for us to reconsider that book, then we put a committee in place, we review it, and uh, make a determination. But it puts libraries in a really difficult position. Uh, Libraries are publicly funded government institutions, and the First Amendment prohibits the government from censorship.
1: Mm. Some books that have raised concerns among parents include The Hips on the Drag Queen Goes Swish, Swish, Swish. And the bare naked book. What are the complaints that folks have with those titles?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think that those titles fit into their worldviews or, or their beliefs. And, um, that has been common. You know, libraries have often seen challenges and it'll be a community member who comes in finds a book and they find that offensive for some reason and they'll ask the library to remove that book and we'll go through a process Um, what we're seeing now is completely different we're seeing organized groups who are sending out lists of books And they are asking uh, or encouraging their members and their followers to demand that these books be removed Mm. from their library shelves.
1: What is the, uh, take us back, what is the approval process for a book to actually become a part of your catalog?
3: Sure, yeah. We um, have teams of professional librarians who are trained to, in, in collection development and they, they curate collections that meet the needs of the community. So at the Glenview Public Library, we look at our community demographics, we look at community needs, and our librarians then um, read reviews. Um, they look at what has been popular before, and that's how they bring books into the library.
1: know, according to the American Libraries Association, in 2021, there were nearly 700 attempts to ban more than 1,600 book titles In the United States, 67 attempts were actually in our state, in Illinois. I mean, as the head of a public library, Lindsay, what happens on your end? Like, when you first receive these complaints, what happens on your end?
3: Well, we haven't received any complaints or any sort of challenge in Glenview. And, um, but what libraries generally do again is they, um, they ask that page, they ask the patron, um, to fill out a form and then they consider it and then it goes in front of the library board. Um, one of the things that we're doing in Glenview is we're trying to be proactive. And so we have trained our staff um, on how to how to handle these situations. Um, we've also trained the library board or given the library board a lot of information on the issue and the library's place and responsibility to uphold intellectual freedom. Um, we've done a presentation with our League of Women Voters to inform them on the issue and have also held community conversations about censorship and just really teaching the community and telling the community what we do um, to build uh, collections that represent everybody in the community and why we work so hard to protect those.
1: Adora, talk about how we're seeing the First Amendment become sort of weaponized, when it comes to libraries.
2: Absolutely. So piggybacking off what Lindsay said, um, libraries are really meant to protect and showcase different voices and different viewpoints. And I think a lot of librarians I spoke to in this story really upheld that as a personal value as well. They want people to be able to access all sorts of stories and all sorts of perspectives because that can help inform their own. And when you censor one voice, Um, who is really the moral arbiter of society, kind of brings up that question. And who's to say that you shouldn't censor other voices then down the road? And even people who want certain books banned now, like you said, with some of these LGBTQ titles, by the way, the top 10 most challenged books in this country, um, half of them were banned because of addressing LGBTQ content. In
1: the top 10? Yeah. So then
2: who's to say that your perspective that you want to be upheld will not one day be censored? You kind of enter this slippery slope and who gets to decide these things
1: becomes the question. Lindsay, how do these attacks on books make you feel about the issue of censorship and, and the future of the freedom of speech? Right.
3: Yeah. It's absolutely it's it's really troubling. And and like Adora said, you know, the majority of these books that are being challenged and being banned are about critical race theory and LGBTQ topics. And they're written by authors of colors color and other, um, authors from historically marginalized communities. And so what that's telling me is that it, it really is minority voices that, that these groups are trying to silence. And, and that's troubling.
1: Mm-hmm. So. In response to the ongoing situation, the Chicago Public Library introduced this idea of book sanctuaries. Adora, fill us in there.
2: Absolutely. So the Chicago Public Library said, hey, we're a city that is very diverse, that has a lot of different voices, and we're not experiencing challenges to titles. So we want to do what we can to A, protect titles that are being banned in other places, and B, help those other places, maybe smaller libraries with less resources, be able to protect those books. So they have a kit that you can download on their website, booksanctuaries.org, and they just kind of walk you through, hey, a book sanctuary is a place where titles are protected. That can be very broad. It could be at a library. It could be the bookshelf in your living room. It could be a free shelf that you have outside, you know, where people do those kind of book exchanges. Oh, yes. Yes. So it could really be any sort of place, but the point is that you keep access to different materials available for everyone.
1: Well, well CPL has stated that anyone can make a book sanctuary, as Adora just mentioned. So. Do you plan on making one, Lindsay, at Glenview?
3: Yeah, Glenview isn't, hasn't established itself as a right. book sanctuary. Um, what our library board did is we added a special introduction to our collection development policy that, um, Really makes it clear that as a library, we work to uphold um, intellectual freedom and the First Amendment rights of our patrons.
1: So you are having discussions, absolutely, about that. absolutely. You you talked earlier, Lindsay, about the fact that you're you're being proactive. You're training your staff, right? Uh, Glenview is also offering classes for parents on maybe just navigating books that yeah. that um, resonate with their child. Can you talk more about that?
3: Yeah. yeah. Our talented children's librarians have, have put together this class and these resources that um, really help uh, parents find books that are right for their family and, and their children. Um, so it's, you know, uh, looking through our catalog, um, making sure that it's age appropriate, making mm-hmm. sure the books are on uh, topics that are appropriate for their family. And it, they also show them how to find reviews.
1: And, and you've found that more patrons are just starting to ask about the materials yeah, that you've been uh, you've been discussing. What comes to mind too is is the fact that libraries. I mean, I think back to even just before college, right, yeah. just elementary days, right. It was just always the place to go find a good book, get your work mm-hmm. done in quiet, peace and quiet, relaxing. Oh, I lived at the library. I lived up. <laughs> at the library. It was the thing to do. But I, I wonder if these issues now and and this the intensity is that. Going to push people away, you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you see as the future for the libraries that might be maybe more at the center of this protest? Mm-hmm. You and know, this is for both of you.
3: Yeah. You first. Um, Let's see. I think libraries will, will always have a strong place in their communities. I, I I don't see this issue as you know scaring people away from libraries. I think if anything, we're seeing people getting more involved and more engaged mm-hmm. in in what their libraries are doing because okay. they want to protect uh, this right and keep their library strong in their communities. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I generally agree with you. I think there might be a couple more cases like that Patmos library right. in, in certain communities. But I think overall that people want to have access to the library. And I also think, um, you know, libraries offer so much more than just books now. They're almost like mini community centers. Cause even I jokingly said I grew up at the library. Right. I, I did chess tournaments there every summer. I oh, went cool. and hung out in the teen room, which had really cool bean bags and I drank coffee with my friends
1: um I listened to music there like I did so many things besides read paper books and I don't remember I don't have any recollection of so many restrictions on the books that I had access to mm-hmm. at all
3: yeah because generally libraries public libraries don't put restrictions no, on that
1: I had access to everything there yeah. was there was no debate back yeah. then um are you finding I mean you haven't had any challenges at, at Glenview but are people asking questions, or, or uh, are those conversations coming up just because they're hearing what else is going on? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Again, I, I mean, I, these I, lists
1: are floating around, right? Right, right. I
3: mentioned we did a presentation for our League of Women Voters, who you know have been reading the news and hearing about this issue and wanted to learn more. So yes, our, our patrons are are asking about it, um, wondering about it, but it really do support. Um, the library's efforts in upholding First Amendment rights and, and not censoring our collection. Mm-hmm. Well, on a lighter note,
1: we here at Reset we have actually recently got into a little thing called TikTok. Ooh! <laughs> One of our favorite content creators, believe it or not, is actually the Milwaukee Public Library. Yes. We're kind of obsessed. Uh, <laughs> what are they doing? They're everything. What are they not doing? Uh, Please go and check okay. out the Milwaukee Public Library TikTok. Everybody listening because it's, it's fantastic. They're making mini motion pictures on there, really. Um, but you know, for you and, and our, and our listeners, I, I definitely want you to go check out their content. But has Glenview ventured into any kind of content creation to engage more readers? Yeah,
3: absolutely. We, we have a pretty active Instagram account and, and oh. Facebook account and we have a mascot called Lehi the Fox. Ooh, a mascot? Yes, and he is featured quite often. That's Um, very cool. Yes. Yeah.
1: That is awesome. Uh, That is uh, Glenview Public Library Executive Director Lindsay Dorfman and WBEZ Metro Reporter Adora Namigade. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Michael Liptrot and edited by Meha Ahmed. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. Every little bit helps. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you later today.
0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.